It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Back here, Cofield and Company from Twin Peaks and Henderson. Monday Night Football on the way. Big news of the day, however, out at UNLV, uh, where the decision was made to move on from Marcus Arroyo. Obviously, a, a massive decision uh, that was made today, and we'll get into uh, how that decision was made, the process that went into it, and uh, what next for UNLV. Steve Cofield joins us. Willie Ramirez here as well, and on the phone now, Eric Harper, athletic director over at UNLV. How are you doing today, sir? Good. How are you doing, sir? We're good. Uh, we're trying to. Uh, Talk through uh, what went on today and, and where where the program goes next. I guess from you uh, to make this decision, what went into this decision? What was the biggest factors for you making this decision today? You know, as I do with all of our sports, uh, I look at the you know the totality of, of the program and, and what's going on and, and where I see the trajectory is going. And you know, based over the last three years, um, the trajectory is not where we feel like it needs to be and it should be. Uh, we have increased expectations. Uh, and a city that is, you know, arguably the sports capital of the world, uh, we have to be better uh, consistently, consistently, as well as win championships as part of our mission statement is to win championships. So uh, that's extremely important to us. What want to get into, uh, you know, what happens next and everything else. But I just want to ask you on a personal level, this is a massive decision to make how difficult is a, is a process to go through um, just as a person to, to make a decision like this uh, it's very difficult uh, but th- this business is hard it, it, it's hard to win football games it's it, you know the, co- the the world of college sports is hard uh, but to make this decision you know I have to think about what what I feel is best for for the institution president Whitfield entrusted me with as the athletic director uh, to lead this department and you know, football has to be great consistently. Uh, I have a football background playing for Bill Snyder and playing at Kansas State. Uh, I'm from the state of Texas, so football is uh, in my blood. Uh, and making that this decision was about, you know, making sure our student athletes that have been that are in this program have an opportunity to excel uh, in a way that they wanted to when they made their decision to come to UNLV. And it's my responsibility as the athletic director to make sure that uh, I'm doing things in the right way and the right at the right time to help them reach uh, the goals that they want. Speaking with UNLV Athletic Director Eric Harper. So, Eric, you said in terms of the trajectory, and you said over three years, that includes the pandemic year. And with all due respect, I, I understand every team, every institution had to go through that. I don't know the number off the top of my head of how many first-year coaches had to go through that and get to know their players and try to figure that out. Are you included? So so what you're saying is you're including that year. That makes That's included in your overall projection of how Marcus Arroyo performed as a head coach the pandemic season? Yes, you, you, have, to, you have to look at the totality of the deal. And that, that, is, that is a factor we looked into because you know, it's one of those things that everybody had to experience the exact same thing. Were there different uh, deals in, in the various municipalities? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, but at the same time, we were, we were all very fluid. We were all, you know, moving in different ways. I mean, things that were 
that you could do in the state of Nevada, you couldn't necessarily do in California, and vice versa, depending on where it was and when it was and how it went 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 down. So you you have to include that. Uh, the the student athletes went out and competed. Uh, we had practices. We had you know all of that's that's a factor. Everybody had to deal with the exact same thing for the one for the most part. And so he goes from zero wins to two wins to five wins. It on paper obviously wins and losses it shows improvement where did he go wrong in your eyes what did he do wrong in terms that that brought you to this decision exactly no you look at yeah zero to two to five i i get it uh but look at the the totality of the records with those those programs that we we actually beat uh and the number of games that we we also lost at uh, with one score games, which I, I, you know, I thought we were, you know, when we did, when we beat New Mexico, that was a, a, a big win for us, considering we were down 17. Uh, but you look at the totality of, of what has gone on with those uh, zero to two to five wins. It's it, it uh, you know, we're seven and 23 over the last three years. Eric Harper's with us, uh, AD. At UNLV, Marcus Arroyo is out as the head coach. Was your mind made up after the Hawaii game? You know, if they had uh, gone and you know beat Nevada forty-nine nothing, does that change things? Uh, when did you make up your mind? Uh, my mind was not made up uh, uh, until you know yesterday, uh, per se. And I don't, I didn't put it all on the Hawaii game. You know, obviously we we had an opportunity to become bowl eligible. Uh, if we had uh, beaten Hawaii, we would, you know, and didn't win this this past weekend. That was that would be six. But that wasn't, you know. Again, I, I go back and I look at at uh, you know 2020, 2021, and 2022, and you know I think that it's it's uh, just put us in a position. I said, you know, it was time to make a change. Uh, we have a 35 million dollar practice facility on campus. Uh, we have we play in a two billion dollar stadium. Uh, we've we've had. You know, arguably two of the top recruiting classes, um, and you know we're we're not competing against the teams like the San Jose States uh, at their level. We're we're not competing. You know, we competed very very well with Fresno State this year. You know, so those are some of the teams that are winning championships that that we have to put our bar up against so that we can compete with them on a consistent basis, uh, week in and week out, year in and year out. Did you disagree with Arroyo in terms of team building and roster building? You know, a lot of this uh, team and even a little bit of last year's was built through the transfer portal. Do you disagree with that route, and is that sustainable? No, I don't. I don't know. You know, the, the sustainability through the transfer portal. I think the the jury is still out on that. Uh, it's only been going on for a couple of years now, but I, I think the uh, getting the the right players in the right spots on your team and you know I leave that to the coaches to to make those determination evaluations I'll never tell them uh, who to recruit and how to recruit I'll never tell them what plays to call and what plays not to call uh, <clears throat> they're the experts at that and um, you know that's where that's where it lies I think uh, you know Aiden Robbins through the transfer portal has been an exceptional player for us um, you know so you know do all all even if you went back to the old deal of always recruiting high school, all, all high school and all JC don't work out. You just got to have a good mix of, uh, of classifications from freshmen to sophomores to juniors to seniors. You have to have a good mix of, of those, in my opinion, so that you can sustain from year to year success. So let's go with the scenario of 
let's say they close out the season strong, you know, beating Nevada, beating Hawaii. Could you move forward without giving Marcus Arroyo an extension beyond the fifth year and have him come back with just two years left on his contract, or would that have been problematic? Uh, I don't know that I could answer that without it, it actually happening, uh, Steve. You know, that's a, that's a scenario that, you know, obviously was possibility out there. But I couldn't answer that without it actually happening. What, uh, what was the reaction? I know you met with the kids this morning, right, I think around 10 a.m., and it was, you know, before your press conference, before they painted the cannon. I mean, a lot of people are assuming, hey, they're devastated. Some of the kids said that. What was your reaction to the players, and what was your message to the players about, you know, the decision and also optimism moving forward? Yeah, no, no different than that when I've said, you know, just the increased expectation. Uh, we expect to win championships uh, and pro- program trajectory right now, and, and at the same time, I, I did mention about focusing on, on academics here towards the end of the, of the semester as they go into finals. <clears throat> you know, I wanted to make sure that they knew we, we cared about them deeply as a department. Uh, and then I, I, I mentioned or let them know that Coach Kenwick Thompson would be the interim. And we would continue to move on from there. And it's important for them to do the things that they do to continue to get better uh, as football uh, players and also academically so so to make a move like this uh you know obviously you have to have you may not have an exact list you may not have candidates that you've spoken with but to make a move like this with so many openings and people are going to be making decisions there has to be targets and my question is you go from a guy like bobby hawk to tony sanchez to mark sorroyo at this point does it take a big name no disrespect to those previous three that i just named but to, to do what it is that you're looking for for this program? Are you going to go out and, and get somebody big, or are you going to go grab another assistant or a coordinator or someone from the FCS? How are you going to approach this hire? We're, we're, going to, we're approaching this hire to hire the very best possible coach to take our program to the next level. <clears throat> is there a magic ball or, or, or anything like that? Absolutely not. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we have to do our due diligence in, in the evaluation of, of coaches that are out there. Uh, you know, our focus would, you know, we'd love to have someone with Division One head coaching experience, but, you know, if that doesn't happen, uh, we're going to hire the best possible coach for our student-athletes in our institution and, you know, having that at the, at the right time. Eric Harper's with us, Athletic Director of UNLV. They made a change with the football program, Marcus Arroyo is out. I wanted to go back to something. I've seen a big narrative today, Eric, with a lot of media members. Was some of this in part due to Marcus Arroyo's personality? I got along with him fine. Maybe some other media people didn't. I don't know what he was like in the community. Maybe he didn't do enough in terms of you know being that full-scope football coach, also selling tickets. Was any of this due to his personality? No, I, I, have, a, I, I have a good relationship with Marcus, and you know Marcus is a, uh, is a football coach, and that's what he he focused in on, uh, but you know, Marcus is a lot different than, than Tony Sanchez too. You know, as it relates to Tony, was you know, he was part of the community and already a fabric of the community uh, when he was here. Uh, you know, by being at Gorman, uh, and Marcus came from the outside, so it's very, very different. Uh, two very different people. So for people to to, to badger uh, Marcus uh, about not being in the community or that, I I, I you know I don't think that's fair to him uh, because the, his, his predecessor was, was so ingrained in the community with with being at Bishop Gorman that it, 
it probably painted a, a bad picture that probably shouldn't be there. We got one minute left. I want to build on that. So when you talk about the next coach and you know Division One head coaching experience would be great. How big is that other element, though? Getting out in the community, uh, rallying the troops, kind of making up for rough times of late, helping sell tickets, or you find with, hey, this guy's got a track record, it's football, 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 and, you know, we won't worry about all the other stuff you may ask a head coach to do. No, I, uh, Steve, I think it's extremely important for a coach, the coach coming in, to be in the community. Uh, we're going to do our, our best to strategize that in the proper way. Uh, the coach can't be out every single day, uh, but at the same time, uh, if there are special events that are going on uh, that we need to, to coach at, uh, whether it's attending a, a Golden Knights game, uh, whether it's going to uh, a Raiders event, or, or whether it's going to the Nevada Ballet event, you know, those, those particular things like that where you get to coach out in the community uh, is important. Uh, it's also important for myself to be out in the community. Whenever we hire the new coach, making sure that, that you know, me being someone that's been here for, for 10 years, to make sure I'm introducing coach to the right, to the right people uh, at the right time when his schedule permits. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we recruiting's going on, the spring ball's around the corner, uh, so making sure that, that we get out, and it's going to be extremely important for the head coach to, to get out and about. And, and to your point earlier, you said it's sell, sell some tickets. Uh, get people excited uh, about being around and coming to Allegiant Stadium. And I can't thank the fans enough that came out this, this year and watched the team compete. Uh, I really appreciate, uh, and our team appreciates the, their support over the year. Eric, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. All right, gentlemen. Have a great evening. There he is, the AD at UNLV. We'll have more on the firing of Marcus Arroyo coming up. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling on, Cofield and Company. Yep, Reno's in. I'm sure uh, folks in Reno are snickering a bit, right? Kind of weird. Nevada loses in a nail-biter. I'm sure they're proud of the effort of the pack, but they lose in a nail-biter for the cannon, and then UNLV still goes out and gets rid of Marcus Arroyo. And, I mean, what does it say to the – folks listening up in Reno about their program that one of the issues cited for firing Marcus Arroyo was yeah you beat Reno but eh, it was a close game it shouldn't well, be that close I mean I guess some could get insulted but if you look at it as an adult I mean I think that is part of the evaluation that you know for UNLV that down the stretch they had two very winnable games they were they're never double digit favorites very rarely double digit favorites and they lost to one and they struggled to beat the other and you know I'd you know, you guys didn't really break down the Cannon game earlier. We can do it later in the week, but they were outgained by like 160 yards. They were fortunate because of great defensive plays to win that game, and that does have to go into the evaluation process. Now, I, I haven't been on, so I'm just going to say this real quick, and then we'll be talking about this all week with people around the program and prospective coaches and college football experts. I thought Arroyo had done enough to warrant a fourth season, but I also understand you're in a position – you know, just like Desiree Reed Francois was with Marvin Menzies. I thought he deserved a fourth year, and I think they could have been headed to good things, but she got rid of him. She wanted her own person. Eric Harper wants his own person. Yep. He's evaluated here. But all this stuff about Arroyo's personality, I think it comes down to football and just judging football. And Eric Harper, and he's got some good football people around him. Eric played the game. He's been an admin around the game. He's been part of football programs, you know, basically since he's been out of college. If you look at some things... There were a couple of disturbing trends. I actually, I, 
I don't know that they love the program roster building that was going down, right? And that's another thing we can expand upon a lot in coming days. But the biggest things in games, uh, quarterback readiness. When Doug Brumfield went down, I think they have pretty good backups. Those guys were not ready, and Bailey finally showed, you know, some of the, you know, some of those skills. Um, let's not forget, they had a punt blocked again. And it may seem like a little thing, but you had two in Notre Dame. You had another punting error in another game. Coverage wasn't great in the Nevada game. So that was a problem. Um, I think it did matter what happened in Hawaii and and uh, Nevada. And I think that kind of nailed things shut. I, I had not heard the narrative before the Hawaii game about young guys growing up and maturity. So I think something happened off the field in Hawaii. That may have not been the most major thing, but it distracted the team. And, one, and you remember when when we talked to Arroyo after the Hawaii game and he talked about the team lacking focus, a lot of people were like, what? With a bowl game on the line, they lack focus? So there's some things there on the field and off the field that I think were a little bit disturbing. And we'll see what they come up with now. I think they're going to have a great list, Willie. I think they have money to spend. You know, they wrote a pretty good contract, as it turns out, because – I don't believe Marcus Royo is going to sit out two full seasons. Do you, Adam? No. I think he's going to want to coach somewhere, and he's going to get a pretty good payday somewhere as an assistant or an OC or whatever, you know, a QB coach or assistant head coach. So they'll be free of most of that or some of that $2.55 million. So here we are. Now the disappointing part is you're kind of hitting the restart again, and that's what UNLV fans, the, the ones who are really supporting Marcus Royo today are like, man, Again, and then the transfer portal, you could have, you know, who knows, 15, 20, 25 guys go in. Well, that's, that's the good and the bad, though. Yeah. It, it's the, that's the bad part, that you might lose a lot of these guys that you brought in. The good part is it's never been easier, not easier, yep. it's never been more possible to very, very quickly build a roster. And, you're, and you did it before December 1st. So the portal opens up, really opens up on December 1st. I think you'll see some, some players go in there. So I think Willie's, Willie's probably most on board with – Arroyo staying around. I was on board with it, but I also understand the rationale. I understand Eric Harper's rationale. I understand why he got fired, and I understand exactly what you're saying, and it makes perfect sense. I also think that it's a scapegoat excuse. I think it's perfectly set up to fire Marcus Arroyo in using all the things that you said because they're all relevant and they all make sense. Absolutely. Six-game losing streak. Brumfield goes down. You're an offensive genius. Why aren't your quarterbacks prepared? You were, that's what you did up in Oregon. You, you know, you coached Justin Herbert. I mean, this is what he was supposed to do, but he didn't. Okay, but nevertheless, this was a team that improved. I don't buy the, uh, the, the, the pandemic thing. I've been on both sides of it, but the bottom line is you have to judge his coaching and it, when you say totality as he did. Two wins last year, five wins this year. They found a way to win five games. They shouldn't have lost all six during the six-game losing streak. But overall, on and off the field, this is a program that grew together. The same reason why they, Tony Sanchez deserved another year and at least one season in the Legion for the money he brought to that facility is the same reason that Arroyo deserved at least one more shot with his guys. Now he won't see his seniors play and graduate. That he, he's not going to get a chance with his recruits. You're going to bring in another guy. And I don't care if it's Deion Sanders or some guy from North Dakota State. They're going to want their players and their coaching staff, and they're going to have to start all over again. So all these fans that are clamoring and looking for Gary Patterson and Deion Sanders and whomever else is big name out there, don't think that it's just going to change overnight because it's not. Yeah, look, they have to make the right decision, and 
this is a, a position they've been in a lot of times. It's the first time for Eric Harper, though. First you know, massive decision to be made, and uh, I think part of it is, look, it, it's the reality of the situation in college athletics, and that's this is not unique to UNLV. When there's a new athletic director, oftentimes they want to put their stamp on a program. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what he did. I don't think it played into it necessarily, but – you know, they are there to put people in place that they believe can succeed and that they can work with, and uh, he's going to get that chance now, and this is going to be what a lot of his administration is going to be judged on. So going back to the decision, Hawaii and Nevada game, um, there are things in the Nevada game to be proud of, though. Like the fact that they were down 13 nothing, and that, that, that could have been laid down and just quit time, and they didn't. Um, I thought Bailey did show some progress. He certainly played better than any other moment he played in the season. This is a team that I think mentally kind of snapped against San Jose State when Brumfield went down. They didn't do it this time. Uh, now Nevada's not a not a great team. Um, so they should have handled them more easily, but they got off to a bad start. They made mistakes. The punt block, again, is ridiculous. So I think the, the fact that they showed fight. And, you know, the funny thing is it's the way the season broke down. In a lot of ways, it changes perception. What did you guys pick them to go this season? I had seven wins. Okay. I had That's five and seven. I had, I had seven. I had five and seven. So, But it was the way they got to five and seven. Because, like, you're almost a victim of your own good play early, especially that North Texas game. You reset expectations at four and one, and then everyone's like, you know, five and seven. And, you know, and, and having to kind of use a, a loophole rule to get into a bowl game, it doesn't feel as good. Their win total was two and a half, by the way. Good point. Uh, so, yes, they exceeded. And, and I also want to – we keep talking about the loophole, too. And I, I don't. I want to make sure everybody knows this is not a bad thing. The reason they might get into a bowl game is yeah. because they've had a lot of success off the field, right? Which should be which is part of the, which is part of the coach's responsibility. Of course. And Sanchez started them in that direction, yeah. and then Arroyo continued it. And that is something to be really proud of. That APR wise, you're ahead of Vanderbilt. That's that's a good thing. That means you're you're a complete program. You're doing the work off the field. And I've seen a couple of people who are like, oh, so UNLV that they would make a bowl game. It's the rule. You okay. know, there aren't enough six-win teams. The next thing is academics. That's good. Good, Willie. Sorry. Well, no, but the players, they're student-athletes first. And guess what? If you can't recruit UNLV for its football program, you can go sit down in the living room with mom and dad and go, hey, guess what? We went to a bowl game. Yeah, we only have five wins. But you know why? Because we graduate our players. Because how many moms and dads are out there going, my kid's not going to the NFL. I want him to. Basically, I'm using football for a college for an education. Well, don't worry about it because he's going to get it. And guess what? When this whole Pac-12 shakeup went, who was the next two schools everyone was worried about? And why were they saying the Big Ten was going to go after Cal and Stanford? Because of GPA. So if the Pac-12 is already getting San Diego State and they're looking for the next team, well, guess what? UNLV now looks attractive because of that. And Las Vegas. So there are a lot of positive things. And by the way, Eric Carper didn't think that, didn't know until yesterday he was going to fire Marcus Arroyo and make this huge, huge announcement I've been told by a couple of people. I'm just curious why. Maybe he was busy. I don't know. Maybe he was celebrating in his in his box upstairs at Legion Stadium. It would just been kind of cool for the players if the athletic director went into the locker room and celebrated with them and congratulated them. But he was absent. Just saying. Why didn't you bring it up to him? Well, we were covering everything else. Come on. <laughs> Ask him. Why didn't you go in and celebrate? Well, we'll get more feedback on what he said this morning. I think that's really important, the sort of message that Eric Harper gave the players today. So there are some weird things timing-wise here, Adam. Uh, the paint of the cannon, which they do on Monday. Um, I was told that most of the players showed up, so that's probably a good sign. What'd you hear? Yeah, heard the same thing. Now, I, I, I thought it was interesting they announced it on Monday. I'm sure that was part of the plan. I know it's been a long time since I was in school, 
We used to take it back to campus yeah. and then do it that night. on Saturday night. Yeah. So I don't. I, maybe that's just a new thing. Maybe it's something that they had planned early. Uh, I, I can't imagine that any kind of coordination happened of like, hey, let's do it Monday because we're going to fire Marcus and then we can do it. Out. Like it did, that doesn't make sense. I, I'm sure that was something that was planned out and was totally coincidental. Who planned something like that? The team, the program, the athletic I think department? you want to have people there. No, I'm just asking you who, like, yeah, because, well, no, I'm just wondering who yeah. planned something it, a lot of questions. I have that one. It yeah. wasn't is at the it, top of the list well, of questions. Because if it wasn't planned to do right after the game, what, whoever does the planning, did they think, well, maybe they won't win? Well, in terms of planning, I, I also don't know why they just didn't fire him last week. I, I don't know why you go into a, a game against Reno. The last couple of coaches that have been fired have been fired before the Reno game. Yep. If you're going to fire them, you don't let them win and then and then do it. You do it so everybody's on the same page. But, but in a play. way, what Harper said today about, hey, you know, zero to two to five wins, there's higher expectations. I think part of that is they're in a position they should not be in. They should be in a much better position to be an option for a power five. The football program probably should be in a better place. And that goes back to, to Sanchez as well. Um, but actually, I think the message they sent today, while may, you know, may not feel fair for Marcus Arroyo, and I think he did a relatively good job, I think the message they sent is, Hey, five wins isn't good enough. Not being not being competitive with San Jose when San Jose's facilities are a pittance and they're redoing their stadium. But you have schools in this conference that consistently are beating UNLV. Now, now San Jose technically is above them. We'll continue on this. Caleb Herring's coming up. But yeah, the message is sent: five wins, not good enough, and just winning the cannon, not good enough. Got to do it in this year. You got to do it impressively. Nevada was not very good. The more of those things that you can improve on, the more the results will change just without you focusing on the result. You're focusing on the little things that you can control. So obviously it tastes better when you win. Again, I think some of the biggest lessons we've learned have come from the games that we haven't been able to finish. Maybe the last two games, there's been some winning done because of some of the things that we learned when we lost a few games like that. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Signs of hope, maybe. Josh McDaniel's talking about learning and developing through the season. Boy, the AFC West has uh, turned out to be kind of a dud beyond the Chiefs. Chargers did get a win, but they're barely above 500. Broncos stink again. Raiders, in dramatic fashion, get their victory. And meanwhile, across the NFL, guys, it's both of the East divisions yep. that have surprising teams at the bottom who moved kind of to the middle. Unbelievable stories with the NFC East and the AFC East. Yeah, two best uh, divisions in football. The question is record-wise, record wise, which one is the best overall? Which one's better than the other is the big question. A- AFC East is better. I believe so. I believe I believe that you got to start at the bottom to cancel each other out, and I think the Commanders get the boot from the Patriots, well, and, and then think, you work your way up. Sure, and I think the – I mean, look, the Patriots have shown they can compete with just about anybody, and by the way, their offense broke out last week. See if that can continue. Uh, obviously, their defense is very good. The Bills have you know, been below expectations, mostly because of the turnover-prone quarterback, but they, you know, the Dolphins have been very, very good, and – and, and injuries for the Bills as well, obviously. Uh, Dolphins have been very, very good. They are they are going to be a tough beat because they can score at will in pretty much every game. And then if the Jets play Mike White or Joe Flacco, they're really dangerous. Well, and, and let's, I'm, you know. Stretch I, Flacco, White. I've been, I've been, White, <laughs> White gives them another element. Flacco, come on. I've been riding this soapbox about the Eagles all season, and I'm not going to get off of it until they prove me wrong. But they're 10-1, and 1, but their level of competition has been trash 
in in reality. If you look at the, the entire schedule, they're playing, you're, they're playing your beloved NFC East. Yeah, well, they're they're not. They're, they they're, did play the Cowboys once without Prescott, for sure. Right. So that was that's a little bit. Do, do you need me to pull up the entire schedule because they they have not played a competitive schedule? So their ten and one record is, does nothing for me, and the fact that they're not battle tested going into the postseason, when they get there, is going to be rough on them. Yeah, but I mean, look, they're. All they can do is beat the teams that are on the schedule for right now. They Jaylen should have Hurts lost to the Colts. Could have. My guy, Gus Bradley. They came through. Uh, they, all they can do is beat the teams that are on their schedule, and that's what they're doing right now. And uh, I, I think they're a very good team. But you're right. I mean, we're going to see what, what it is when come postseason. Uh, but I think that they've, they've been able to come through consistently in some tough spots. And Jalen Hurts has the offense playing at a very, very high level. The defense, I think, is really good for Philadelphia. And uh, they've let up a little bit, I think, on a couple of occasions, but uh, that's a very good team, and it's a team that's going to be tough come the end of the year. But, yes, the AFC East, to me, is the best division, which surprising because coming into the year we thought it was a foregone conclusion who was winning that division. hasn't been that way. The AFC West we thought was going to be out of this world, and it hasn't been. Uh, but somehow, some way, in this great division, Steve's Jets have a chance. Are, do, you have, do you have hope and optimism that the Jets can win a division title? I mean, you're asking the wrong person on optimism. Come on, <laughs> with the Jets? No, not, not, I'm not. I'm not getting. I'm not getting super fired up about him. Hell, I made a over under, you know, adjusted season win total bet with Willie, and I still wasn't fired up. They have a good defense. They have a good defense, and this year they look, you know, at least like they're well coached. And Mike White has some potential to make them a little more competitive. So, they, I mean, now I mean, clearly, if uh, the reset here for Zach Wilson doesn't work, they're going to have to find an, an elite bridge guy, or you know, go back into the draft and. Try to find a quarterback again. So, there's some good this season. Like they're winning, but I don't know what it means long range. I'm winning a lot of meals from Steve, and then Lindsey Brown, and then somebody at the EOS gym. He's on his way out for a lunch, um, and that I bet him that Denver would be in last in AFC West. The one now that I'm a little disappointed on is the Texans plus two and a half wins. Jacksonville four and seven. Your Jaguars. My Jaguars. Yes, I love them. I love them. Yeah, I think in the end we made five bets. You're going to win three. I'm going to win two. So there's one dinner. Do we have five bets, really? Yeah. You're not going to actually pay the three and then pay the two? I mean, I guess we could go out to dinner five times if you want. <laughs> I'd like that. I need, I need a friend. That's how That's how it's got to be done. I need a friend. Yeah. Battleborn Sports Hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766-1400. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Tightly bunched formation at the line. Kyle Williams wide left. Play action fake. Bailey all day to throw. Pass on the near side to Zeon. And the pass is in the end zone. And it's caught for a touchdown. The Rebels with a huge touchdown right there. Nick Williams. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. One of the touchdown passes in the battle for the cannon. Harrison Bailey to Nick Williams. You know, we usually don't talk a lot of uh, UNLV sports during the Reno Hour, because we're on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Reno today, as we are every day from 4 to 5, but figured today was a good day for the folks up north to hear this. I wonder if a lot are like, ha, 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 you got to your coach. Back to square one again. That's a question right now. Where does this program go from here? If you're just tuning in, Marcus Arroyo, for some, shockingly fired uh, yesterday or this morning is when the announcement came down from Eric Harper. Caleb Herring on the broadcast. Is up with us. He played for UNLV. He's a host of the Marcus Arroyo radio show. Were you shocked today, Caleb? 
Um, I wouldn't say shock is necessarily the word. I think there's you can understand it once you hear it. I don't think I expected to hear it, but once I heard it, it didn't uh, you know knock me to the floor or anything like that. Um, but it, it it always is, and I think with with Arroyo and with the you know looking back at his tenure and the things that he had to deal with, it it did feel like he would have more time. Um, and I don't know how much more time, um, but. No, I, I, with college sports and the way things work, you know, the coach's carousel has, is up and running as it is every year. You can't be shocked. And if you've been in the business long enough, coaches are fired and hired uh, so often that it's, it's hard to feel shocked when, when another announcement like that is made. But it definitely was, was, was big news. It was, it was different and took a minute to digest it for sure. So I guess, you know, there's a lot to get into of why it happened. But the, the first question a lot of people ask is, what next and you know how far back of a step do they have to take uh in terms of hiring a coach like no matter who it is you kind of are taking a step back to start building if that's uh you know if that's what you want to do with the program so where are they right now and where do they go from here well i think they find themselves in a similar situation that they've been in 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 you know the last three or four coaches changes that they've made and i've i was a part of one of those locker rooms so Right now, the, the state of the football program is going to be completely contingent on the players that return. Whether or not you make the, the, the home run hire at coach, um, you're going to have to do some serious work as far as retention of the players that are available. And you're going to have to deal with the new element of the transfer portal. And I'll just speak from personal experience here, um, the ways that this impacts a program. Uh, there's, I was in the locker room when, when, when the decision was made to, to fire Coach Sanford and his staff. Um, we had at that time on our roster some very talented players individually. Um, and I would like to count myself among them. But one of them that locals will, will remember is, is Philip Payne. He was one of the best receivers, if not the best wide receiver in the conference at the time that Coach Sanford and his staff exited. Um, the new coach, uh, Bobby Houck in this instance, lost the locker room. And I can candidly say this uh, because there always is this possibility with every time this transition happens that you lose the locker room. And, Philip Payne's career as a Rebel suffered tremendously uh, with the coaching change. And it's just a personality, a personnel, uh, a, a, an offensive schematic system that didn't fit and didn't mesh well. And I think UNLV missed out on some of the talent that Philip Payne had to offer and what difference he could have made uh, for the product on the field. That's that's one aspect of it. And, and then the next aspect, I've been a part of, 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 of staffs or a part of locker rooms where players and the way they perform have been determining factors in if a coach stays or leaves. Um, and I, I think candidly, my senior year was an example of that. I think there was many people in the Las Vegas community that were calling for Bobby Houck's job during the early parts of the 2013 season. Um, and I know the players on the field did enough and we did something as players um, that coaches get credited for, quite frankly. And in this case for UNLV, the coach is the fall guy and the coach takes the blame in a lot of ways for where the entirety of the program where those players organizational fell short. The head coach often takes the brunt of that. And I think that's a little bit what the situation is. And right now that's where UNLV is. I think they have to do a, a, a considerable job of focusing on making sure that the coaching change doesn't destroy too much of what was built. Because I think there's some good foundational things that Coach Arroyo and his staff were able to do. Um, so taking making the step back as small as possible is I think the focus now. Um, and that may even be before the thought of, of the new hire and getting the next guy through the door as a head coach. Caleb, do you think uh, Arroyo and company were on the verge of winning seven or eight games next year? 
I honestly do. I think uh, there's there's very good reason to believe that they were on the verge of accomplishing just that. Uh, I think the way this season ended takes that away. I th- the Hawaii loss being what I'm talking about. The way this, this season ended uh, for a lot of people may have swayed them to feel otherwise. Uh, but I think for a lot of reasons, and this goes just beyond the win and loss totals, and I know that's the measure for a lot of people. Um, and I understand I'm probably in the minority when I say that that's not what I judge the, the, the totality of the circumstances off of. Um, there's some coaching things, some some physical appearance things, the, the quality of recruits. And there's no doubt that the standard was raised in a lot of ways under Arroyo's tenure. Um, and I, I do think that this team was on the cusp. And I think, honestly, uh, from my perspective, from my vantage point, I think in a lot of ways they were ahead of schedule. And uh, the beginning of the year, I think a lot of people would have agreed with that, right? Four and one. A lot of people would agree, hey, they're ahead of schedule. This team, wow, we didn't expect them to, uh, to be this good. Uh, that changed, obviously, through the course of the season. But um, I, I do think that they were well on their way, considering the transitions and things that they went through. You gotta, this is a coaching staff that lost their, their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator during the offseason last year to better jobs, uh, the guys that advanced their career. Uh, talk about Glenn Thomas and, and Peter Hansen that, that moved on to uh, uh, more desirable offers, I guess, in their eyes. Uh, so this, considering those transitions, the COVID year obviously was a big deal. But considering that, I think the program was turning a corner, um, and this this I hope is a move that that speeds the transition up or speeds that process up instead of uh, slowing it down. So Caleb, I you know I, I don't think that Deion Sanders is coming to Las Vegas. I, I'm not sure Gary Patterson he can go to bigger places. Brian Harson's interesting, but three former players' names I tweeted out earlier. I spoke to one of them personally, but. Uh, Keenan McCardell, Randall Cunningham, Hunky Cooper. Are any three of those attractive to you that could come in that the boosters would be happy with and could make a difference? Oh, well, I think there's a difference between what the boosters would be happy with. Um, I, that's not, I don't think necessarily those names make me feel like uh, it's a home run as far as winning and uh, getting it done, especially when you consider the comments of, of Yady Eric Harper and the experience being a factor. Um, I, I think a couple of those candidates don't have much experience uh, at this level coaching or head coaching. So um, that I, I don't think that those names, just for the sake of being alumni names, have uh, the pop to me or necessarily fit the bill for what UNLV needs right now from a coaching standpoint. And there's a whole deeper analysis uh, based on what the expectations are from Eric Harper uh, that, that I think would, would qualify. And only he and his, his staff know exactly what they're looking for so it'd be hard for me to say what the right hire would be uh, i think more importantly for eric harper is uh, when you're talking about the shopping uh for a head coach is there's a couple things he said during the press conference and just knowing his background and how he's been a part of the university the first thing that comes to mind is he's he has extreme confidence in his ability to get the funds or get uh the the paycheck necessary to be competitive um, and that's, I think, uh, one of the most important things here is when you talk about the next candidate, is they think they can compete financially with, with just about anybody. And I, I, I would lean on thinking that Eric Harper has that confidence. Um, and then also just in, in knowing his kind of mindset as the AD and what he's seen in his time, because he's been at the UNLV for a long time in his own right, uh, just seeing the way he thinks about it, he's looking for consistency and he's looking to stabilize the university in a lot of ways and I think that's been something that's uh, that's really a part of his thinking and uh, his understanding of what UNLV has been missing over the last uh, couple of decades uh, 
really from a football standpoint is a consistent voice and understandable with this aggressive decision to move on from Marcus Arroyo that he would like that person who's going to be around for a long time, hopefully with him, to be someone of his choosing and to be someone he selected um, so that the university and the football team and the athletic department can kind of move forward uh, with a more cohesive, stable message to, to build from. And I think that's a big deal as well. So uh, I think Eric Harper, I, I wouldn't say that he made this decision lightly at all. And I think he's doing it with every confidence that he's going to get the hire that he needs for the future for UNLV to really, to really uh, stabilize the program. Somebody that cares about the program, that wants to be here long term, consistency. Caleb Herring, coach. <laughs> I I am not ready for a head coaching gig. Right, let's just get that out there right now. I I would love to be a part of the program in any capacity, especially on the field with X and O's. That's a dream, right? Uh, there's things that I'll have to do to work towards that, obviously. But uh, my name should not be in anybody's hat for head coaching <laughs> right now. That would. That would be a mistake, definitively a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised if they go with someone without head coaching experience. It could happen, but I think you start the list with uh, folks who have won at Group of Five who may be flamed out for one reason or another at Power Five, got massive buyouts. Maybe, you know, making four or five million isn't the most important thing to them. They want to find a good stop. So I would have guys like Tom Herman, David Shaw, Scott Frost, Gary Patterson, uh, Harson, Paul Christ. Now, there's several of those guys who actually have personality flaws and had difficulties at other spots. So you also have to take that into consideration. There's getting someone who's won, but you also have to examine why they flamed out at the Power Five. Yeah, there's all of that goes into it. And I think we've mentioned in the past some of the flaws maybe of hiring Coach Arroyo that he had, and those were put on display with his first time being a head coach, obviously. I think proved to be detrimental to his take on on what he should do and as far as the community and things like that. Um, but honestly, we, we look at the, the previous hires for, for UNLV, Arroyo was a big fish uh, comparatively to, you know, Bobby Houck, who was a, a, a division below. Uh, Tony Sanchez obviously was a high school head coach. And uh, there's reasons that those hires were the right hire. But uh, going forward, I think UNLV shown an ability. And you talk about, you know, a power five coach, who is one of the, the, the top offenses in the nation when he won the Rose Bowl at Oregon, speaking of Arroyo, when he came through the door, it was, in my eyes, a big fish hire. Um, so there is the ability for UNLV to be competitive. Obviously, they, they, it's their, their salary ranked in the top three with, uh, with Coach Arroyo's salary uh, in the Mountain West, at least. Uh, so they're going to be competitive in the market. And I think that the names you listed and the kind of pedigree that comes with those names are realistic and they should be realistic from the outset as far as what UNLV is looking for in the next coach. Caleb, we got 30 seconds. Willie, fire away. Caleb, real quick, because we asked if you were surprised by the announcement. You covered the game. You, you're the broadcaster. Did you agree with it? Uh, I will say this. Coach Roy is a good football coach. There are several different perspectives that I agree with where Eric Harper is trying to take UNLV and the expectations that he's setting. Um, and there's obviously the the wish and desire that it would have worked with Arroyo. I think he was a good football coach, and for one reason or another, it did not turn into wins and losses. And that has now been set as the expectations going forward for UNLV football, and I cannot complain about that. Caleb, we appreciate it. We'll uh, check in with you later in the week as we uh, get more updates on what happened and what this list is going to look like for a new coach at UNLV. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks. Take care. What do you think of the names I threw out there? Right? There's some guys who are great football coaches, but they do have flaws. There was a reason that they flamed out at their previous stop. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. And I think 
you got to vet those things. And I look, we've kind of hinted at it. We've asked people about it. I think personality was a big part of why this decision was made. And I don't know if they would go back in that direction if there's personality problems with some of these candidates. It's a discussion we'll have throughout the week. Sure. I think that's a media-driven angle. Like I said, we'll follow up on it. Thanks for checking in, Reno. You can hear the entire Cofield and Company archives at lbsportsnetwork.com. Willie's got big prizes tonight, including tickets to the Pac-12 title game here at Twin Peaks. Come on down, Twin Peaks, for Monday Night Football with Willie Ramirez.